Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the show where journalists and sometimes others talk about journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Peter Frey and I'm the co-director of the Centre for Media Transition at the University of Technology, Sydney. And my producer is Anthony Dockrow and a big thank you to him. In this edition of The Fourth Estate, we are going to take a deep dive into the dynamic digital world of journalism aimed mainly at female readers and listeners. I was going to say young women, but I think that may be limiting the scope and pool of what our guests are doing, very much so. And I'm getting a lot of nods in the studio. (laughs) Um, It's it's a dynamic place for many reasons, but I can name three. One is that for several years now, it's been a place where a lot of journalism innovation has been happening. Uh, Secondly, it's part of the market keenly sought by advertisers, so it's very important to keep an eye on what's going on in this space, I think. And thirdly, uh, women are a great audience, right? They, they are they're pound for pound better at sharing and engaging with news and lifestyle journalism and all aspects of journalism than blokes. And as such, they might well be the future of the industry, I can only hope. Um, so we're going to look at some... Um, uh, some key issues affecting women are uh, being reported across the media, but we're really first going to concentrate on uh, two fantastic organizations. And I've got three people from those two organizations to help me. Welcome to the Fourth Estate, Claire Kimball and Kate Watson from The Squiz. Thanks Thank for having you. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. They're going to background us a bit on The Squiz in a minute. That's a daily newsletter and podcast. And we have the wonderful Claire Stevens, from the editor of the website, Mamma Mia. Hello. Are you the editor of the podcast as well? Uh, No, so I'm editor, um, the editorial editor. So our podcast team works alongside us. I see, in harmony. Yes, In bliss and harmony. (laughs) We'll get to the bliss and harmony in a minute. (laughs) But thank you all three for coming. It's it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I I think we should fill in a little bit uh, the background for our our listeners. So Claire Claire Stevens, let's start back with you. Uh, Mamma Mia, very much a pioneer in this space. Tell us what makes Mamma Mia tick. I think a huge part of it is that where we have such a focus on authenticity, candidness, and um, and also not assuming that women want one particular thing or that women are some kind of niche. That's always a bit funny that the industry seems to think like, oh, women, it's an yeah. interesting, mm-hmm. totally interesting right. niche. Totally not right. really a niche. Um, super <laughs> like diverse. 51% of the population <laughs> yeah, for a start. Yeah, not a niche. Um, so, so would you say, just to interrupt, but would you say something like the News Corp's W-I-M-M-I-N thing, is mm-hmm. that kind of treating women as a niche? I would say so. <laughs> I'm hesitant um, to, to say that, but it's I okay. think... okay. You can still work there. It's okay. It's fine. But I think, um, I think probably uh, more so than we do because it's, it's our entire focus and it has been our entire focus yeah. for over 10 years. And so um, we're good at knowing what women are talking about and knowing that that's incredibly diverse, that it can be everything from politics to pop culture to pelvic floors and that you're allowed to know... You're allowed to be interested in a whole lot of things yeah. at once. You're allowed to care about whether Donald Trump is going to be impeached and also care about who's the monster on The Masked Singer. Like they, they aren't yeah. two sure. mutually exclusive things. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think what we hopefully get right is um, 
is kind of not not pigeonholing women and not having a hierarchy of what you are and aren't allowed to care about because mm. it's it's there's a huge range. Because I know you care a lot about Donald Trump and the mass singer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, um, we're going to talk to the uh, Squiz folk in a second, but I did want to just check in with you, pers- mm-hmm. your personal journey. Because so uh, Mamma Mia, t- uh, two thousand seven, right? A blog yep. by Mia Friedman, you know. Superstar, mm-hmm. Maven. Is she a Maven? <laughs> you say she's a Maven? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think she's a Maven. Yeah, near the Maven. Uh, so that's been a hell of a journey for her and that brand, but also for yourself. Tell us a bit about your, because I heard, or maybe I'm wrong here, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago you were the, like, the editorial intern. Yes. So um, it was four years ago, and um, and this is kind of the interesting thing that I'm finding more and more about media. So I didn't study media. I studied, um, I have an honours degree in psychology, oh, which is just handy. incredibly relevant. Um, <laughs> but oh, it is, uh, people make jokes about it all the time at work. But um, yeah. but so I have always loved writing though. And, um, and my sister and I were writing a blog and um, – I think we were recapping The Biggest Loser, which I mm. miss for the lols, mm. um, not because it added anything to society. But um, so we were recapping that and Mia found it and uh, reached out to us and said, I really like your writing. I think it's really interesting and got us in and we started from the bottom. <laughs> so we were um, so we were interns and assistants and producers and editors and yeah. Now that all happened in three or four years. Four years. Four wow. years. So, um, so yeah, learnt. Literally from the bottom, um, how to do it all, and and I guess one thing about media changing so quickly is that uh, you can you can enter and learn so much mm. um, because media is a very different place to even what it was a couple of years ago. Indeed, indeed. And mm. tell me, what did you do your honours thesis in? Uh, <laughs> I did well. I did my honours thesis in um, anxiety and depression in children Ooh. and adolescents, and then I was actually doing my masters. When I started at Mamea and I finished, I dropped out of my master's to continue because I loved it. You'll be there when it. you want to go back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you'll be able to do your own personal anxiety journey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I How the media ruined me. Do you use it in your work these days? I, I think um, something that's really helpful, and I talk to people at work about this, is having that kind of science background, mm. it allows you to report on research and science in a way that maybe somebody who's just done straight journalism can't like you know how to read research reports and you Mm. know um you know how to kind of find the flaws in them and Mm. especially with all the bizarre health claims Mm. and that sort of thing i'm really passionate about that that's a great we should have a whole show on this yeah i think there's (laughs) i love that uh, podcast only in mice yeah because that really it's a great debate yeah being able to read science exactly not not just taking it not just taking the um the title of the article or one line Mm. from it but looking at it in context and being able to interpret it so you might have noticed there was a question thrown in there and i should have not introduced by claire kimball (laughs) (laughs) she can't stop herself herself. so tell me tell me this let's talk about the squiz for a second so if mama mia grew from a blog to be a business reportedly worth and i'm reportedly worth 80 million bucks what can a free, filtered, fresh newsletter do? Uh, Claire first, and then maybe Kate. <laughs> Claire, you founded the Squiz a couple of years ago. What do you have in mind? I had in mind a couple of things. One was that I had a long background of being a press secretary. Mm. I think, Peter, the last time I saw you, I was flacking for Tony Abbott and we had a nice lunch somewhere. <laughs> that that was a, that's true. A we long did. time ago. But, um, yeah, so I had um, just as a 
media consumer a mm-hmm. need for a good newsletter that wrapped up across the media every morning, uh, not just one website's take but a good sort of view across it and I thought that that could have a you know, bit of an impact here in Australia. But the other part of it, of course, um, being that press secretary and then at Woolworths after my time in politics, um, I think the example um, I talk about a bit is when I did my first corporate comms call with the chief executive and the board, there were about 70 journalists on that call. Uh, The last one I did, which was a much bigger announcement, I think we were getting rid of our CEO, I think we had seven journalists. Mm. So my view was... And that was only a space of... Yeah, yeah, about five years. years, So I thought for someone that had that really long work experience in just the classic press secretary sort of game, they weren't going to be the journalist to talk to eventually Mm. and there was a real need to skill up in building your own audience, talking to people and bringing them along with you. So I thought it was worth having a go. Well, I'm going to get to Kate in a second, but I'm interested in, just tell us, for the listeners who haven't signed up to the Squiz, you're crazy if you haven't, of course. (laughs) Of course. Uh, What is it? I mean, what's in it? Because I, I, today I read a recipe for mushroom risotto and I read about Donald Trump, which goes to <laughs> Stevens's point, I think. It's exactly right. And, yeah, it does have that light and shade. There's a cross-section of uh, the fun stuff. That's what I look for when I'm reading. I need something to balance the heavy stuff. Um, but we try really hard to break down the heavy site. Um, we try really hard to break down the heavy stuff into those bite-sized chunks yeah. so that you can actually understand it and get good links to go and read some more if that's something that you're really interested in. Mm, okay. Kate Watson, how does the squiz make money? I mean, on the back of your genius, I take it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, of course, on the back yeah. of my genius. <laughs> the squiz makes money at the moment from advertising revenue. No um, wrong with that. It has done for a couple of years now. Mm. Um, so since I joined, when did I join? January 20... Last year. Yeah, 18. 18. Yeah. Gosh, um, you're a veteran. <laughs> that's right. Total veteran. Total years. Veteran. It's like 20. Yeah. yeah. Um, so advertising at the moment. So that mushroom reference you mm. made was an advertising execution. <gasps> was it? It was. You and it me. clearly said it. I didn't it. notice that. I it didn't notice that. It clearly said it in there, was but it, thank you. What was the advertising from the Mushroom Authority? Australian Mushrooms. A.M.? A. Yeah. Really? Mushrooms. Who knew? It's great. I didn't, really. <laughs> Mushroom and chicken risotto. Right. Um, What's tomorrow's recipe? Is that supported by the can't chicken t- authority? We can't tell can't you. can't tell you that. You can't tell why? for grabs, I think. Really? Yeah, You're still any, selling anyone it. listening <laughs> out there who would like to advertise their recipes in the squeeze, you're very welcome. There we go. Right. <laughs> a, yeah, you've got, your, your job is done. You can leave there. I'm going to have to give the same rights of, to Claire Stevens of now, course. of course. He's going to have to give a massive plug to Mamma Mia. But anyway. We've had really good support from um, some really big partners, actually. So Combank's been a big, big one. Woolworths. came on board really early. Um, We've had Qantas, we've got BP on now. So we're finding um, that those uh, corporate comms teams, corporate communications teams in those bigger companies are finding the squeeze a really interesting audience to talk to. This is a question for all – yeah, that's right. Well, that's the question to all of you, I think. What are they after? Because kind of going back to your point, uh, Claire Stevens, it's really bad to point on radio. It (laughs) just doesn't work. Um, Going back to your initial point is this idea of the niche. So, you know, I've I've been in those meetings myself, you know, a bloke talking about, oh, yes, we're going to get more women, blah, whatever. But you guys have kind of cracked the code a little bit. So what was that? Is that? What's that really is? What's that about? So when you go pitching at Woolies Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, wherever, what do you say? What do I say? Yeah, what do you say? Give us Well, a first of all, we talk about our audience. So exactly to your point, mm. um, the squeeze is all about wrapping our arms around a smart, educated, relatively affluent 
group of predominantly women. We do have plenty of blokes that read the squeeze and that listen to our podcast. Mm. Um, but the idea being there wasn't really any way you could go to get that group of people. Mm. Um, we're not interested in really anyone outside of that in the sense that if we can wrap our arms around those, that's a very good business model for us. Yeah, there's a lot of those. There's a lot. Yeah. Of, there's plenty of them. There's yeah, plenty there's of plenty them of around. them. There's plenty of them. And that'd be a big, that'd be a big, com- big enough company. Yeah. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about engagement, though, probably, and I know it's a bit of a buzzword and you're nearly rolling your eyes. <laughs> nearly. But, yeah, but that that doesn't so work close. on radio either. <laughs> <laughs> roll away, Peter. Yeah, no roll, one will know. Roll the eyes. But the actually, eyes. I mean, it's actually quite easy to grow a database and there'd be people listening going, well, yeah, you can have a massive database of email subscribers. That's fine. But the idea around the squeeze is that we're growing it very strategically um, in that we're really focused on our open rates every day. Mm. We're really focused on how many people are engaging with the email across a week, across a month, um, and so those doing, are the key you, measures of success so for us. So you're AB testing brands. that. I mean, how are you how are you focusing on that? The open rates. I mean, how are you we, knowing what works and what doesn't? We have technology that supports all of that data. Is it secret? Is it secret our open rates? No. no. Yeah, yeah. No, no your secret. <laughs> is, it, is it secret? Your no, rate? our open rates aren't a secret. They're around 45% every yeah, day. Yeah, that's fine. Wow. Which is huge. It's, it's huge. It's huge. That's yeah. massive, yeah. yeah. How does that compare, uh, Mamma Mia? Did you know? Um, well, so we've got uh, quite we, a few different yeah. newsletters. Like we've got a, um, a morning one, a celebrity one, a news one. Um, so it's very dependent and I'm always so fascinated by that data. What, what makes people open it and then what makes them open it might not be what makes them keep looking through and clicking mm. on other things um, or what makes them open it might also lead them to unsubscribe. Like it's so I find that so, so, so interesting. So I think ours, oh gosh, I'm not actually That's completely okay. up to date on, on our spot. exact open rates, but um, but I know that 45% is bloody amazing. Yeah. yeah. And yes. for us, a lot of that's about the routine of it. Yeah. So while we've picked the 6am spot is that almost we know from the data worldwide still in countries that are like us, they reach for their phone first thing in the morning and they check their email. Mm. We can talk about email, whether it's a redundant or an old platform, but we all still do it. Mm. And mm. being part of that 6am routine is what Which is keeps, when the squiz lands yeah, in your inbox. Yeah, that's right. said that. That's right. And yeah. the podcast, we yeah. We <laughs> yeah, that's You're just taking over the show, aren't you? <laughs> well, I, produce, yeah, I produce a podcast yeah. and I'm like, we haven't said that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got this mental ticker box. Let's say this. Yeah. Let's say this. Yeah, that 6 a.m. thing is really important Very to important. us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Claire Stevens, tell me about the future of media. Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> um, well, no, I'm, I'm, no I'm, I'm being a bit flipped, but I mean, we, we, I spent a lot of time on the show thinking about that question. I try desperately not to turn it into a negative thing. You know, I think it's easy to be negative about it. In fact, in many ways, I think we're more blessed with the amount of journalism, good journalism we have now than we've been for a, for a long time. Uh, but nonetheless, it is really, you know, it's a struggle because of the business model. So when you think about that, when you think about things like open rates, when you think about what editorial works, when you think about relationships, with your audience overarching all that is kind of yeah what's the future here isn't it what's how do we make that relationship into money really yeah I think a huge part of it is being agile and being willing to move with the time so a huge Mm. thing um, Mum Mia was one of the first organizations to get um, to kind of see the potential in podcasts and we've now got the biggest mm. podcast network women's podcast network in the world just a ridiculous um, number of yeah. number of podcasts and um, and that's obviously uh, at the moment seeing a huge boom mm. in terms of being able to monetize that supported by advertising like exactly these guys, yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. In in so many different creative ways, like even doing a bespoke podcast for a client or um, or yeah, like run of network ads and that sort of thing. But um, but I think the future of the industry and the success of a media company is just so dependent on being able to try things, throw things out when they don't work, and keep um, keep abreast of all the of it's all the trends. Starting to like Facebook. You know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> try things, break things if they don't work, move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I I think that's. That's kind of our approach, like that that you're going to try things and they're not going to work and you need to be able to to move on and try the next thing and not be really discouraged by that. And mm. things are just – things change so quickly, like even um, – even I, like the reliance on obviously uh, other platforms and big mm. tech in media, so Google and Facebook and Twitter. Mm. I think uh, on the one hand, you could become incredibly discouraged by that and we often say it's a little bit like being in an abusive relationship because you you sometimes you <laughs> get a real boost from it and you feel really, really good because you're in favour and then the next minute you're not <laughs> and it's incredibly destabilising. And so I think what you've got to do is um, – is A, have that willingness to actually learn what the new trends are and B, probably um, diversity, like having having a few revenue streams, a few ways mm. that you're approaching it because one model just isn't safe at the mm. moment. I don't well, think. on that point, uh, tell, tell me about Squizhead, someone. <laughs> Someone. Someone. Someone over here. You can talk about squeeze heads. Right? We've got two. Claire Kimmel, tell of, me about squeeze heads. We've got two lots of squeeze heads. Oh, our, really? Our squeeze heads are people who are hugely engaged yeah. with what we do. A bunch of them are people who have referred more than five people to the squeeze successfully and they've signed up and, and that's all good and we're able to track them through our technology. Uh, the other group have open rates of around that sort of 90 to 100% um, and have done so for quite a long period of time. And we know that they're trying to refer it to their friends, but their friends are quite errant sometimes or they haven't used our way of uh, referring them. They just do it by word of mouth, but we wanted to reward them for that. The interesting thing about Squeeze Heads is that we polled a bunch of people about if we were to set up some kind of loyalty thing to just keep recognising how much you're enjoying right. us. giving them stuff. Like giving them stuff. And, yeah. yeah. What would you want? Mushrooms, probably. You know? Do you want recipes? Do you want um, a cap? Do you want you a know cap. events? Do you want? Do a you keep want cup? What do you want? Do you and really want a keep cup? And what did they want? They just wanted to help us. Oh. They Seriously. just were really happy to just keep helping us. Yeah. That's oh bless. I, I know. It's, a, it's something quite emotional. <laughs> it is tearing up. <laughs> tearing up. And I reckon that's the case for that really highly engaged audience, but in terms of driving behaviour for a bunch of others that perhaps like us a, a, a lot but not as much as those sort of 90 to 100% people, how do we incentivise them to mm. keep going up that tree? And okay. that's probably What's the, the answer? Don't know yet. I think it might be a bit of um, better engagement directly with us. We're quite hands-off with our audience other than talking to them directly uh, through a podcast, of course, every day and through an email which has that very personal direct the tone of voice. on the road. Yeah, we don't do that stuff yeah. and um, that's certainly a question for me. I reckon events are really hard. I reckon yeah. doing really good events are really hard. And keep doing the them balance the sheet's hard yeah. too. Yeah, it's hard to make money, right? Yeah. yeah, but if there's a payoff in engagement, that's something that we might need to look at. Yeah. We had my umbrella, we had Tim Burrows in here the other day from mm. Umbrella. I mean, they've made basically mm. they've business. Done yeah. They've done it. They've yeah. cracked it. Mm. 
But they, it took them a while and there's a massive commitment. Yeah, and it's, yeah. A, it's an, I mean, we decide, we made a decision after the email that the next thing that we would invest in is podcasting. So, um, or, the, or the daily podcast and now we've got one more as well. Um, so it's just about making those calls and deciding where you fit in. And I think probably to your point and around the future, the medium is so important. Mm. So what medium you choose to actually invest in is so important. And that is something we talk about all mm. the time because where, are pe- where do people want you in their day? Mm. Do they want you all the time? Probably less and less so because they're sick of people's fa- they're sick of their Facebook feed, they're sick of their Instagram feed. There's a little bit of that. They want you on demand, don't they? No, they want us when they want it's convenient. You at 6 a.m., you're when it's say. convenient for them, right? Yeah, well, that's um, what I'm saying. And it's finding them in those moments. Yeah, It's finding them in those moments. Okay, so we're going to go back to what you're going to do next because uh, that's a great thought. But um, podcasting, just on that point, do you think we've reached peak podcast? <laughs> no. No, well, I know. Well, you would say that. Starting. That was a really stupid question, right? We're starting. Well, how many podcasts are there in the world? There's, I think Anthony just said there's 740,000 like podcasts that. in the world. I mean, that seems a lot. It seems a lot. I don't think, I mean, you, you, you'd be really good to talk on this too, Claire Stevens. Um, <laughs> I just think it's starting. I don't. There's a very. What we know is there's actually a very small audience of people who are listening to podcasts in Australia, um, and and there's lots of data out about that. Um, So as far as it's consolidate, it's got to consolidate. It's got to. You know, there there won't be seven hundred forty thousand that are going to make money. Of course. No, no. Um, no, There's about forty thousand that make. So I don't know. I think we're really we're not even. We haven't even reached the peak. Okay. How do you see that, Claire Stevens, Mamma Mia? Yeah. So I I agree. I think what's happening at the moment. I I'm fascinated by just everybody's got a podcast like mm, just yeah. e- the the deist grade reality star it's mm. like i need a podcast yeah. it's yeah. like do you i don't know if you do but um <laughs> but i think it's almost a little bit what i how i conceptualize kind of written editorial in that there's there's kind of this boom and saturation in everybody's got a podcast as a podcast about everything it's mm. just absolutely ridiculous and then I think it's actually good because it puts the emphasis back on quality. People aren't going to listen to anything. It needs to be, I think, proportionally a small amount of podcasts get a vast majority of the The listens. listens. (laughs) So um, so there are a lot that aren't – like if somebody random was just Mm. to launch a podcast today, that's not going to – no one's going to listen to it. Claire Kimball, I'd like to see a podcast featuring you and your old boss. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be boring? <laughs> I don't know. Claire and Tony's big very, show. But do you think boring. there's ro- but on a serious point, do you think there's a role for a a squiz take on a political podcast? I think it's about finding who your tribe is. And I know yep. there's a lot of yep. people talking about that. And I think our benchmarks for success have changed a lot as well. To have a successful podcast these days, you might only need an audience of five or 10,000 people because mm. you've engaged them really highly mm. and you're able to get some commercial support for that and yeah. it underpins the model, which is great. It doesn't have to be 100,000 listens every episode to be successful sure. these days. For politics for us, we, um, to Claire's point about having trying things, you know, little tests and seeing what works, um, we were all quite sceptical, even though Kate and I come from a political background, about how an election execution would work for us. We did uh, an email throughout the election campaign, a daily email uh, at the end of the day, which is a different 
time of day for us just to see how that worked uh, and also a weekly podcast mm-hmm. that wrapped it up that had another voice mm-hmm. in it, Greg Baxter. Who, oh, yeah. Shout um, out to Greg. Shout yeah, out to hi, Greg. Greg. Hope you're listening. <laughs> uh, and did it work? It worked, it worked really, yeah. really well. Right. Um, the thing for us, um, another pillar, I guess, other than the, the convenience and the tone is that no opinion piece that we have. We don't talk about um, anyone in any sort of derogatory terms when mm. it comes to particularly politics. We make sure that any political story has that Scott Morrison said X, Anthony Albanese said Y, uh, with supporting links to both of those positions. You're very balanced. Very, very balanced. Thank and you. it works. Oh, I, I was, well, yes. No, yeah. you are balanced. <laughs> we, work really, we work really hard at it. Yeah. Yeah. Would we do something ongoing? I think for us, it's not worth the effort at mm. the moment. Politics, mm. as we know, is just so fractious and divisive. And mm. I don't think it actually underscores who we are and what we're trying to do, which is actually uh, the news is, as we call it, a shortcut to being informed. That's how we're helping people in their daily lives. I think there's plenty of other more interesting things that we can help our audience with other than keeping on top of politics. Example? Oh, it could be your mushroom recipe. It could be making sure that <laughs> no, you've I'm got totally a great skeptical of the mushroom recipe now. I've been duped. <laughs> it could be, uh, you know, just what you need to do to make sure that when you go to that dinner party, you've got one line on pop culture that, you mm. know, makes it relevant. The point. Yeah. yeah. Those sorts of things. Okay. Tell me, uh, Claire Stevens, ABC Life started, what was it now, 18 months ago, maybe a mm. bit longer? Mm. Uh, to use the vernacular, did that piss you off? <laughs> no, I, I think um, we kind of there were a few things that emerged at once, um, sort of in a in a short period of time. There were um, there were yeah a lot of things that that I guess kind of created competition in that market. It meant that we weren't um, you know the the shoe in in, in mm. certain instances or for certain clients. And I think when that happens, you pivot and you just work on redefining exactly what it is that you do and what your tone is and why people are going to choose you over them. And I don't actually think that's a that's a bad thing. I think competition is good. Yeah, it lifts you. Totally makes me really angry. Would you would you say that the Squiz is a competitor? Yes, direct competitor. We have um we have our I'm just going to leave the room. Our, no. No, but <laughs> we have our daily podcast, The Quickie, um yep. which also drops at 6 a 6 a.m. um and like it's a it's a huge competitor and to your point on that actually we we did launch before the quickie yes (laughs) you did and i will agree we were so competitive you you are so so competitive competitive. you are incredibly competitive this is why i landed in a weird sales (laughs) job what do you think but what i was going to say a lot of people have asked us like were you annoyed about Mm. the quickie launching and our view was in fact that the competition is good because people are now talking about daily news podcasts. Mm. People are now discovering daily news podcasts. It, it only helped us grow. Is um, the quickie shorter than the the, the squeeze no, one? No, the squeeze is slightly Seven shorter, or eight I minutes, think, isn't it? I think, yeah. yeah. Ours can be about 14 yeah. or yeah, oh, really? 14, 15 yeah. minutes. And, and they're different. I and they're very they're, different. Yeah. The audience is, I reckon, pretty different. I don't know your demos, mm. but I would imagine just from listening they're quite different. But I just think... And going back to your point about whether podcasting has, you know, reached its peak or whatever, um, no, because there's still so many people that are yet to discover this whole genre of stuff. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the competition's good. I, I think it forces you to distinguish yourself and work out, okay, that like if 
it's not enough to just be a daily news podcast. What exactly are we doing yeah. and what is our take going to be? And um, and so, yeah, I think that was having the competition in the market made us do that for the quickie, deciding exactly what we You have similar audiences. When you remember me and the squiz would be – you'd have a lot of crossover, no? Surely. Am I, I, I being naive? I, I would probably, think so. I, mean, I would assume Mama, that yeah. there'd be a good fraction. Mamma Mia would have quite a larger audience than you guys, with all greatest respect yes. to the squids. Yes. You're not going to get competitive. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, that is an okay, okay statement. That. I won't challenge you on right. that one. <laughs> how many people, just say, how many people sign up to the newsletter? How many, roughly? Uh, 35,000. 35, and how many mm. people listen to the podcast? It's about, we've got about 80,000 wow. listeners a week. Wow. wow. That's, yeah. What about the quickie? You know? uh, the quickie, oh, I no. wouldn't want to underestimate them, but I think it would be about 10,000 a right. day. You which, really should have said 81. Which, which would be, which would be yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs> Podcast analytics, we don't go into that. There's a whole other thing. Yeah, it's a dark It's a dark That's a dark yeah. Let's just quickly talk to about Facebook. You mentioned it, Claire Stevens, but I, I'm interested in your views about this. I mean, Foe, friend, frenemy, where do you, where do you stand? It's been uh, a great friend for us, right. but we mainly use it as an acquisition tool. Mm-hmm. Um, we only really started using um, any paid acquisition for the squiz about this time last year. Um, until then, it was all organic word of mouth growth. We got to, uh, I think it was about 20,000 um, just by word of mouth yeah. referrals. And then we switched on yeah. after a bit of a capital raising exercise to have a okay. bit of a budget for that. Um, and we're getting that 7.5% month on month growth that we're looking for using um, Facebook acquisition as part of that that strategy Hmm, so yeah it's a it's a a great way to find your people if you've got people who can help you and uh, it's not stealing your advertising revenue because you've got direct relationships and we're starting and we're starting after the the crunch time i guess so it just is it just is facebook it just is i I don't know know (laughs) we just don't spend time thinking (laughs) overthinking it no because it just is right okay um, let's move on to uh, a broader kind of context. I'm interested in your views about things like the recent New South Wales uh, parliamentary abortion debate and how that was reported in the media. Um, it was reported, it's in my opinion, I know you, mm. you, by all means, uh, you know, it's just my opinion. It was reported really through the prism of politics and it wasn't really reported much as a women's issue at all. Claire Stevens, what do you think about that? What Did you... I mean, it's different in Mamma Mia, I know, but in the broad media, did they get it right or wrong? Um, I agree that it was very much as a as a political issue, which is just wrong in itself. That mm. I mean, why it's always a political plaything, I don't know. Um, but it, but we found it was really we had really interesting conversations about exactly how to cover it and when to what specifically not to cover. So um, one thing that we had a big conversation about was. The debates about um, all the amendments and when people would bring in like sex selection and mm. that and that sort of thing, we we had a huge talk over you know where, do we go into this and look at whether it's actually a thing and then we went no it's not a bloody thing and we're not going to just attract more attention to the myths that that the right. detractors are you, you called fake news yeah 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 we yeah. we were like no nah, that's actually because i think that's always a little bit tempting is to is to go into the myths and debunking them because you're passionate about it and then and then you think well hold on is that myth just putting that in people's minds is that actually perpetuating an idea that we don't want any more eyeballs on or we, we don't want mm. people to mm, even question it um so yeah we had a lot of really interesting conversations 
around the abortion debate. Right. Claire what did you think? For us, it's a really good example, I think, about how Mamma Mia handles content and how we do. We took a very factual um, point of view and So you did go into the sex it. selection debate? Not so much. More very good links. Our people really want to know not so much what are all the views on this. They mm. can work that out themselves. Um, it is what is the current situation with this legislation? Yes. What is the bill? How, how do you right. procure abortions they win, win or loss anyway? Kind of and where does this go? Give me the facts right. and I can make up my own mind about it. And that's how we handle a lot of the stuff that and we do. And how did you think the, you know, without ruining your chances of getting another job, but how did you, <laughs> in another media organisation, how do you think the media played it? I think they did what they do, which yeah. is hype it up and right. turn it into a headline. And I think the way consumers consume it is see it for what it is and make their own minds up. I think you're absolutely right, Peter. I think the the media made it and put it through that political prism, but I think people consume it knowing that it's a political thing and making up their own minds. So, yeah, we do have this problem, uh, not just in this country clearly, but, you know, that everything seems to be becoming a cultural war. Yeah, you know, big these big issues, and I, your audiences don't want that, right? They know that that's there. That's why they come to us just to get the factual information. Mm. So we're sort of part of that choice to right. shut down the screaming, bring the tone down a lot, and just give me the facts. And we know we have people that read the squeeze from the far left of politics to oh, the yeah. far right of yeah, politics, yeah. Um, and they don't. We don't even get emails telling us their political view or they don't engage with us in that way because it's not what we're there for. And probably that debate is the perfect example of why the squiz was such an amazing idea that Claire had and why I wanted to be a part of it is because it's so frustrating when you just want to know what's going on. What are the facts of what's happening? What is the bill? What is the bill that's going to Parliament? Mm, What is actually happening here? Mm. Can I just get the three dot points that I need to Mm. understand? And then I'll go and read what I want to read or I'll make up my own mind based on my own experience or whatever it might be. Um, But I think that's a really core part of why Mm. we have grown the audience we've grown. Do you think Pauline Hanson reads the screws? We don't know if Pauline signed up. I don't think she has, no, but it wouldn't surprise me yeah. if she did. We've got a very surprising range of yeah. politicians right. who do well, engage I'm, with well, it. Mike so. Nathan maybe is a... <laughs> is he a, may. I right, okay. don't know. Do you think Pauline Hanson reads Mamma Mia? No, I oh, I was about to make a mean joke. And I'm not going to do it. Um, uh, no, I don't think. Do you think um, Mamma Mia skews is progressive? We skew left, right. um, but we again have been have been made aware lots of times that our audience is more diverse, that like politically diverse than we realise. The kind of biggest reminder was um, the last federal election and. Uh, I think we probably had a had a certain way of reporting, and sometimes you're not even conscious of your mm. own your own yeah. bias and your own tone and that sort of thing. Um, and and so we really kind of recalibrated and thought, hold on, if there's a significant portion of our audience who who voted this way, let's hear from them. And we actually got a really interesting response by running a piece um, from a liberal voter who was then asked to go on Q and A and talk about her like. Why she voted, and because a woman voting liberal, that was just so shocking um, to a lot of people. Um, But but yeah, I know, I know. And so I think that can't be true. (laughs) I think it's also um, uh, something that we've that we've had to recalibrate on since since Trump's election is just making sure. I think media was probably, and we were probably a lot um, more confident in sort of having a certain tone, and then Trump's election. 
and uh, mm. and what ended Happened. up happening. Um, looking at that and going, hold on, that's actually detrimental to the discourse. So we try to take the approach of not having the snarky tone about mm. somebody that a writer might disagree I'm so, with. I'm so pleased you mentioned Trump. And, I, you know, we're running out of time, but I did want to ask you and then um, uh, Claire and Kate uh, about that. I mean, Trump... You know, I, I'm still trying to grapple with it, and you, you guys would know better than I would why so many women <laughs> voted for Trump, especially when that tape came out about, you know, how mm. he thought about women. I mean, can you explain that? I, this is a thing I, like a lot of women, have probably thought about a lot. And I think something that we're, we've found even in our really recent audience research is that women don't want to be pigeonholed and they don't want to mm. be defined. So they don't want to be told if you vote for Donald Trump, you're a bad person. That is going to, that's not going to get them on side. That's not going to change their mind. That's going to make them more staunchly in the camp of people who say, the people in on mm. the Trump side who are saying, it's okay, like this is about this is about freedom and making okay. America great again. And um, so, so I think we're learning that people just don't, the, the more you are snarky and rude and dismissive of the other side, you do not win them over. That yeah, is okay. not the way to win them over. I would imagine that's a similar view, uh, uh, Claire yeah, Campbell. Claire's totally. nailed that. And, yeah, and I think uh, yeah. to that point about the audience, I mean, the thing that always made me smile a bit is that there was no discussion about why men would support Donald yeah. Trump, particularly men who liked women. It was so like women failed it us. It was, you know. Yeah, fair point. Very fair point. It, it's not in that corner, you know. It's Things yeah. are a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, okay. I could, there's nothing I can add to that. I completely agree. You totally with agree. The, We'd agree. The, the, We're the, the unity, unity ticket. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the last uh, question, uh, Kate. Um, uh, do you think uh, someone, a strong woman, that sort of strong woman trope in, say, US politics or in, in, this, in our own context, vis-a-vis, say, Julia Gillard, do you think we're ready for the uh, – do you reckon the po- voting public in somewhere like the US or somewhere like Australia is ready for that? I have no idea about the US and I don't really have any idea about Australia. I mean, yeah, I, sure. I don't know. But, yeah, I think – I mean, I Claire laughs at me all the time but people are people. And, you know, they're going to be good at what they're doing or they're not. And I, I don't think that we're not ready. Okay. If that is I give Australians the benefit of the doubt on this stuff. Yeah. and Despite could, what happened to Gillard? Well, we could have a whole conversation about whether Gillard was a competent prime minister or not. Yes, we could. And that is and another show. Perhaps, perhaps but we <laughs> won't do that. We should. We should have that conversation. That's a oh, good, look, good conversation to have. And there's no doubt. I mean, that's not deny, to deny that some pretty nasty stuff happened to her around the, the sexism thing. That absolutely happened. But I think there's also a lot on the competence scale. We also called out an incompetent prime minister in Tony Abbott and no one really talked about that a whole lot about his sex either. So mm. I think Australians are, but you are pretty... you for him. <laughs> yeah. When he was not prime minister. He was uh, a great opposition leader, yeah, right. great minister. <laughs> hey! Prime minister's on oh, yeah, to others. Yeah, okay. Uh, you two can sort that out. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Australians are good at sizing up character and yeah. sizing up performance, and I, I give them the benefit of the doubt on that. Mm, okay. Final word for you. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we are, but... and. I'm, I hate these words coming out of my mouth. I think it has to be a certain type of woman because I am being realistic about, about how certain people react to women. But, but what do I you think, think that certain type of woman is then? Yes, an intri- you can't just leave it like that, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, I just think looking at um, what happened in the US, um, I mm. think a huge part of Donald Trump's election was a failure of conversation. Um, and so that's, that's what I would be wary of. I think it's easy to sort of um, 
uh, kind of rally support and be incredibly uh, have a one track mind about what what you want and what your values are and if you don't engage with the other side and treat them with respect and mm-hmm. um, okay. and treat treat their concerns with respect I actually think the weird parallel is um, the abortion legislation I actually think Gladys Berejiklian did a really good job with that and that and that if you are just staunchly on your side and refuse to compromise and refuse to engage then things don't change. Okay. Yeah. Look, we really could talk for at least another hour. I, I've, I love this. I love this edition of the Fourth Estate. I, I'd like to thank Claire Kimball oh, and Kate Watson from the Squiz for coming Pleasure. on. Thank you, Peter. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. And Claire Stevens from Mamma Mia. Thank you. It's been great. Um, let's do it all again. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. Okay, great. Any six o'clock. Any three o'clock oh, in the morning. Probably early. Early. We're on fire. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm great. a major silhouette. It's great. Thank you for that. Um, that's about all we have time for uh, on this edition of The Fourth of the State. But please make sure you subscribe to The Fourth of the State on your favorite podcast app so you can hear us talk about media and politics and a few things in between at your leisure. And we'll be back next week with more. But in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter. Where our handle is Fourth Estate AU. And big thanks to Anthony Dockrell, my producer. My name is Peter Frey. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>